Please be seated. Just tell you, God bless you. Lovely to be here. Let me tell you a little bit about myself and my family before we start. I hope you understand the Queen's English. Understand the Queen's English? People say, I love your accent. I said, this isn't an accent. This is the original. You have the accent. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about about our family. Doreen, my wife, we've been married 44 years, still in love with each other and with Jesus. Uh, God blessed us a few years ago. We'd been married 40 years. We have no grandchildren. And God gave us five in 17 months. Our son and his wife had triplets. We've got three-year-old triplets. And then our daughter had a, a little boy and a little girl quickly. So we've got five grandchildren. God is an extravagant God. How wonderful. I was born in England in 1941. I've got two birthdays this year. I'm 70 in November, and I'm 60 in November. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 10 years of age in November 1951. I've been walking with Jesus for 60 years. And if I had life to live again, I'd do it exactly the same way. There's nothing like living a life totally given over to Jesus Christ. Most wonderful and exhilarating life. Absolutely. I love the Scripture. Paul says to, uh, to Timothy, From a child you've known the Holy Scriptures. I can say, thank God for that. From a a child, from being able to walk, every time the church door was open, my mum and dad were there. And from a young child, I've I've learned the scriptures. And uh, I love to open the Bible. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. I say to people, if if people are preaching from the Bible, I'm a happy Howard. I'm a happy Howard. I don't want them to take away from it. I don't want them to add to it. We've got so many people come knocking on your door. They tell you they, you need their booklet. That we haven't got sufficient in the Word of God. We have all we need in the Word. We have all we need in the Word of God. I was visiting hospital a few months ago and I was coming down on the, the lift. You know what the lift is? The elevator. It's a lift. Mark Twain said, England and America, two countries separated by a common language. Got into so much trouble by using words in the wrong place. But the lift, the elevator. And I was carrying my Bible and the lady said to me, are you religious? I said, no. I said, I hate religion. Oh, I thought you would. I'm a pastor and I love the Lord Jesus, but I hate religion. Even God says that through Isaiah, the prophet. He says, I hate your religious assemblies. I'm not into religion. I'm not into ritual. I'm into relationship. And that's where the life and the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. So let's, uh, let's open the, the word uh, in a few moments. Just let me say to you, I want to talk tonight about the fire of God. Taught you about the fire of God. Touched by the fire of God. Touched by God's fire. So with the Holy Spirit's help, who leads us into all truth, I want to bring a simple, down-to-earth and easy-to-understand teaching on how we retain and guard and cherish the life of the Spirit and be those disciples who are truly touched by the fire of God. It will help us in our study tonight if we remember that the Jews expressed themselves more in word pictures than by abstract terms. We also know from the teaching of Jesus that he was exceedingly rich in symbols and figures of speech. It says in Matthew 13:34, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables... I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost or prodigal son. Although many believe this would be a true story of a real family. 
whatever we might say, it's a powerful illustration. Then there's the Good Samaritan, the five wise and five foolish virgins. So we see that these parables of Jesus are choicest examples of figurative speech employed to express and enforce divine truth. So we see clearly from Scripture that Jesus taught the people in a way they could easily understand by pictures and symbols and illustrations. The Holy Spirit, too, has many symbols which reveal His characteristics. As a church, we believe in the truth of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is God. But also, in the Scriptures, there are many types and illustrations that help us to reveal His true personality. So before we look into more detail about the fire of God, let's look briefly at other symbols relating to the Holy Spirit that we find in the Scriptures. One of the meanings of the Greek or Hebrew word for spirit is breath or wind, which symbolizes the invisible, everywhere present power and life-sustaining influence of the Spirit. John 3 verse 8 says, The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Acts 2, 1 to 4, beautiful scriptures for Pentecostals. I'm glad I was brought up in a Pentecostal church. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly, I love God's suddenness. I love the way God suddenly breaks into situations. There have been many delays in our lives. We look back on our lives, there's been many divine delays. I call them divine delays. Because as I look back, I see the wisdom of God. But then all of a sudden, God breaks through. God suddenly, suddenly from heaven. Are you waiting for a suddenly tonight? Well, believe God. It could come tonight. could come tomorrow. You might have to wait a while, but God will bring it at the right time. God's never early. God's never late. He's always on time. Suddenly, suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. And then Genesis 2 said, and I love this, God's given us imagination. Use your imagination. If you've ever been to Epcot, I know it's a long way from Alaska, but there's, there's a place called imagination. I love, to, I love when I'm telling the Bible stories to the children. I love telling, I started at 13 years of age in children's ministry, telling Bible stories, and I'm still doing it. I still love teaching, but I'm there. When you tell a story, you need to be there. Just imagine what's happened. When God, it says, the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. Just imagine. And then he breathed. <laughs> breathed into man. Breath of life. And man became a living being. And then, Job 33, 4. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of Almighty gives me life. Oh, that God would breathe afresh His Spirit into our lives. Oh, to know and experience and feel the breath of the Spirit every day in our lives. Secondly, we see oil as a symbol of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. All believers have this promise of this anointing. I love the story of David and how Samuel comes to his house. 1 Samuel 16 verse 1, if you're taking notes or if you're uh, listening on the internet or wherever. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I'll send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I've provided for myself a king from among his sons. How wonderful. Here is Samuel. He arrives at Jesse's house. Jesse brings in the boys. He brings in the big boys first. He brings in Eliab. 
And Samuel is looking at him and thinking, he'd make a good king, I'm sure. Just look at him. He's a real leader. God says, no, 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 that's not him. And here comes Abinadab. And here comes Shammah. He goes through all the sons. God says, no, no. I can imagine Samuel scratching his head a little, saying to Jesse, have you got any more boys? Well, there's our David. He's been in the sheep, in, with the sheep for a couple of weeks. He stinks, I'm sure. He's not been home for two weeks. Send for him. Bring him in. See, the minute he came in, just look at verse 13, it says, when he saw him, God spoke to him. It says, Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. Friends, God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. That's why we need the Spirit of God to give us discernment. Pray for your pastor. Pray for those in leadership. Because we don't want to look on the outward appearance. We want to see the heart. We want to see where the, the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. The matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. It's always the heart. And another one of my favorite verses, Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How we went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We should all embrace that verse. We should all embrace that verse so that we could be like Jesus, going around ministering and blessing and setting people free. How we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Friends, if we're to be used by God in any area of Christian ministry, we most certainly need the enabling and the equipping that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Thirdly, we see water. Symbolizes the Spirit's refreshing satisfaction and fertilization properties. The Scriptures picture water in the form of rain, dew, springs, and rivers. John 7, 38 and 39. Let the one who believes in me drink. Are you drinking? Are you drinking every day? Him who believes in me, let him drink. As the Scriptures have said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now we said this about the Spirit which believers in Him were to receive for as yet there was no Spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. Can I ask the question tonight? How thirsty are we? Oh, that we would drink deeply of this living water, this refreshing, life-giving water of the Spirit. And fourthly, wine as a symbol seems to call attention to the stimulating and joy-giving characteristics of the Spirit's indwelling presence. Friends, the world's Spirit give a lift with a letdown. The believer's anointing with oil and wine brings inspiration without desperation. Did you get that? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm sure that you know the story of Christ's first miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. A lady was sharing with me that the Lord provided for her to go to Israel a few years ago. We were blessed. We came all the way from England to America to go back to Israel. We went to Israel a few, a few years ago and we, we went to Cana. We went through Cana of Galilee. How wonderful. I was reminded of that story. What a great illustration for us where Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus is still in the business of changing not just water into wine, but transforming lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Still doing it. And Ephesians 5.18, if you're Pentecostal in any way, you should know this. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled or be being filled. The correct translation is be being filled. 
I met people who were baptized in 1970 and 1980 and they just dry as a bone because they've not been being filled. It's a daily experience with the Spirit and sing psalms and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe if we, if we really got a hold of that, those two verses, our lives would be transformed. Being filled with the Spirit, singing, praising God, giving thanks. So many people complain and groan and grumble. Friends, we need to begin to praise the Lord. My dad used to say to me, I'll bless the Lord at all times. It's easy to bless the Lord when things are going well. It's ever so easy when things are going well. I'll bless the Lord at all times. You mean the bad times? Yes. The difficult times? Yes. The painful times? Yes. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall occasionally be in my mouth. Is that what it says? Constantly, always in my mouth. What a great scripture. That's just the introduction. So now we'll come to Touched by the Fire of God. I like a long introduction. That was just the introduction. Now we're going to come to Touched by the Fire of God. The symbol of fire speaks of the Spirit's power and purging. Can I put this searching question to each one of us? Do we desire to be touched by the fire of God? Things are never the same. Listen carefully. Things are never the same when they've been touched by fire. In the natural order of thing, thing, things, fire is powerful. Fire is devastating. Fire is destructive. Fire is cleansing. Fire is purifying. Fire is frightening in the natural order of things. But in a spiritual context, fire speaks of the Spirit's power and purging. So the scripture today is from the book of Leviticus. We know that Leviticus is a God's guidebook for his newly redeemed people, showing them how to worship, serve and obey a holy God. Israel, now that the tabernacle is completed, can fulfill its vocation and become a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. That's what God says we are. We are a holy nation, priests unto him. This book as a whole shows the awesome holiness of God. Indeed, the key verses of the book relate to God's holiness. Leviticus 11:45, For I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God, for you shall be holy, for I am holy. And Leviticus 19:2, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, if you have your Bible, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 6. We'll read a few verses from 8 to 13. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I'm glad when I was a little boy, I learned the books of the Bible all the way through. There's a guy in our church, he was a baker, and he offered every child in the church a half a crown. That's in old money, in English money, a long while ago. A half a crown which would in today's money be about let me try and work it out 10 cents <laughs> that's inflation well, we learned the books of the Bible I've never forgotten them so I can read them all so somebody says where's Habakkuk or where's Zechariah or where's Titus I know where it is Paint your kids where the books of the Bible are it won't save them but it'll help them <laughs> Leviticus 6 8 to 13 then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. 
The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers and they shall put on, on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. We might say to ourselves, what has that got to do with us in 2011? Let me say to you, all scripture is inspired by God. There's truth and revelation all through the word. So tonight, tonight, let's look at being touched again by the fire of God. These instructions that we've just read refer to the daily, regular burnt offerings that we read of in greater detail in Exodus 29. If you want to look at that later, that explains it in more detail. It's important to say at this point that we believe in the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, that all Scripture is profitable. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the Holy Scriptures we might have hope. And 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not some scripture, all scripture. People say, this contains the word of God. That, that can be very dangerous. It doesn't contain the word of God, it is the word of God. Because some people will say, well, I don't really believe in Noah's Ark, I'll rip that page out. And I don't really think the whale swallowed Jonah, I'll rip that page out. That says it contains, no, it is the word of God. It is God's unchanging word. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let me tell you, I can remember as a child memorizing some of these scriptures. Let me say to your parents, get your children to memorize the word of God. They, they might do well at school and get, is it a 4.0 and go on and do great things. But if they've hidden the word of God in their heart, you've done the best thing for them. I remember scriptures now. I get confused a little bit because when I was growing up it was the old King James and then we got the new King James then we get the NIV and then we get the Amplified and I think all the things I've learnt all got mixed up but I can still remember them. We need to remind ourselves that we don't come to the Old Testament we don't come as the Old Testament priest did to offer sacrifices for sin. We come as a new priesthood to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Always remember, the law says do, and grace says done. Always remember that. If you remember nothing else tonight, law says do, grace says done. We don't come with a lamb tonight. We don't come with a pigeon. It's been done by Christ. It's finished work. So let's look with the help of the Holy Spirit briefly at five things. I'll have you home for midnight. Is that all right? Good. Amen. We'll look briefly at five, five things we can learn from this passage of Scripture. How can we today in 2011 gain knowledge and understanding from this Scripture written so long ago to ancient Israel? Well, firstly, we see that daily and regular maintenance was essential. Verse 12. 
verse 12 of that scripture that we've just read the priest shall burn wood on it every day I'm going to share a little story with you now being from England if you've ever visited London anybody ever visited London and seen Big Ben in the Houses of Parliament one or two I know it's a long way from here but perhaps one day the Lord might let you go and see Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament well let me say to you in 1605 on the 5th of November a man named Guy Fawkes and some companions tried to assassinate King James I by blowing up the House of Lords at the state opening of Parliament. They, they smuggled in 32 barrels of gunpowder. But their plan was discovered and Fawkes and his friends were executed. They were hung, drawn and quartered. If you need me to explain that to you later, I'll do that. So on the 5th of November, in commemoration of that, all the boys and girls in England... For weeks before, they're gathering together old sofas and old chairs and furniture and wood and anything to build the biggest bonfire in the village. Every, every little street in the village competing to buy the, make the biggest bonfire in the village. And then they make a guy. That's because it's called Guy Fawkes. His name was Guy. They get a pair of dad's old pants, perhaps a shirt, and stuff it with straw, make a head, and poor old guy is put on the top of the fire, on top of the bonfire, and then we light the bonfire and we watch him burn. And we only have fireworks once a year in England, just once a year we have fireworks. That's bonfire night. So let me explain to you why am I sharing this priceless or useless piece of information? Well, for a powerful point in our teaching. When I went to school next morning, no matter how big the bonfire was the night before, the next morning it was just ashes. It was the biggest bonfire in town. But when I went to school next morning, it was just ashes. So in the natural, so in the spiritual. If the fire is not carefully tended, it will die away. This is daily exercise. This is something we have to learn in this Christian war. In this new life in Christ, there's no time out. There's no day off. If we are to keep the fire of God burning brightly... We must remain vigilant, constantly alert, daily in touch with the Lord through His Word and in prayer and fellowship. Most pastors can say that one of the, there's joy and fulfillment and blessing, but there's also sadness sometimes when we see people who have really been touched by the fire of God and then they've lost it. Why? Why? That grieves our hearts. Why? Because they didn't keep daily in touch with the Lord. I'm going to give you now one of the greatest secrets of living a fulfilled and glorious life. Well, what is it? It's living daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. Never forget that Satan is the father of lies, the arch deceiver who is out to rob you of everything that God would have you receive. You have an inheritance. Most people have never claimed their inheritance in Christ because they've listened to the lies of the enemy. Take captive every thought. Make it obedient to Christ. Satan comes and says to us, God hasn't really forgiven you. He couldn't. You'll never make it anyway. You won't last the pace. And if those people down at the church really knew about you, they wouldn't let you in the door. He comes and whispers these things in our lives. Let me tell you, battles are lost and won in the mind. Battles are lost and won. You need to take captive those thoughts. The Bible says that. Let me ask you a question here. How do you eat an elephant? Does anybody know how you eat an elephant? Oh, you know. One bite at a time. 
You know, you eat an elephant every ten years. I've eaten seven elephants. Just to look here. There they are. Can you see them? Seven elephants. I mean, in the natural, you think, that's not possible. How did you do that? Just a little bit of breakfast, a little bit of lunch, a little bit of dinner, and a bit of supper for 70 years. I ate seven elephants. Can't believe it. So how do you live life? One day at a time. One day at a time. Friends, let me say to you, so many tip their energies into the past, the black holes, the might have beens of yesterday. Yesterday has gone forever. And others look at the future and say, I don't know about my health. And you know, I've not got any money for my pension. Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. We don't know about tomorrow. Why worry about tomorrow? Why tip all your energies in tomorrow? It might never come. The Lord might come tonight. Or He might take us home. Today, you can live the life you've always wanted to live as you grasp this simple and yet profound life-changing truth. Every day, every new day, yield yourself to the Lord. Consistently, day by day, moment by moment, deliberately seeking the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind, feeding on the Word, lifting up your heart and voice in prayer and praise and seek afresh to be filled with the Holy Spirit and experience the difference. Amen. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus were to stand in our midst and tell us to do something, would we do it? Of course. Of course. Well, He is here and He is speaking by His Spirit. And He actually says to us, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's the word of the Lord for somebody here tonight. You're not to worry about tomorrow. You're to invest in today and trust God for your tomorrows. In effect, he's saying, don't wait for tomorrow. Empty your best into the present and see what happens. So firstly, for the priests, we see that it was daily, regular maintenance of the fire. What was so important for them is so important for each one of us. Secondly, the fire must be kept burning. Verse 9, verse 12, verse 13. The fire must be kept burning. Here we see that Aaron and his sons, the priests, were to ensure that the fire of the burnt offering never went out. This was God's commandment. This was God's law given through Moses. The fire on the altar must never go out. Friends, today there are countless thousands of lives that have witnessed the love of God, tasted the goodness of God, indeed felt something of the fire of God, and yet sadly the fire has gone out. Why would that be? Why would the fire go out? Well, we see from what we've already shared that if we're negligent in our daily duties, it's not too long before the fire will begin to go out. To help us in our teaching, I want to examine this from another angle. I know it will help us. Another illustration. The Apostle, writing to the church at Rome, in expounding this glorious truth that we've been freed from the law, makes the following statement. Romans 7, 4. He says, Therefore, my brothers, you have also become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. To him who, raised, who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. What Paul is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is that we were once married to the law. And he was a bad husband. We could never do enough for him. But now, having died to that relationship, we're united to Christ. We have his hand in marriage. We've said, I do. 
I find it difficult as a guy to imagine myself as a bride. But I am. I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the bride of Christ. I'm dressed in white, pure white. Can you see me? Hallelujah. Beautifully, the Word of God declares us to be the bride of Christ. If you've received Him, you're the bride of Christ. So in view of this, let's examine this problem of the fire going out in this new context of a loving marriage relationship. Can I ask you married couples, is the passion and the romance and the fire that blazed brightly when we started out on our marriage, is it still burning brightly? Is it still blazing? Or has the fire gone out? I remember doing a wedding many years ago in England and saying to the groom afterwards, don't forget, don't forget to tell your wife every day that you love her. And he looked at me in all seriousness and says, every day, Pastor Howard. I nearly slapped him. Every day. You know the story of the couple who went to the marriage counsellor and she's crying all the time and saying, he never tells me he loves me. He never tells me he loves me. And he turned to her and said, when I married you 25 years ago, I told you I loved you. And if things change, I'll let you know. That's not good enough. Guys, you need to verbalize. Triple A. I, I say to people when I do marriage counseling, triple A, you guys. Triple A. Okay? Not triple A road. Triple A attention. Husbands gives your wives attention, appreciation, affection. Now, there'll be a test at the end to see if you remember it. Okay, see how many of you guys remember it? Guys, it'll keep the romance alive in your marriage. Attention, appreciation, affection. And remember, marriage is not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. Being the right person. Let me encourage you, married couples, keep the romance in your marriage. Keep passionately in love with your spouse. When we'd been married a few years, I told my wife I loved her more than I did when I married her. And she cried. <laughs> she didn't understand that I loved her when I married her, but now I love her more. She thought I didn't love her much when I married her. Keep that romance in your marriage. Now, in the light of the truths we've shared about marriages, what about our ongoing daily walk with our spiritual bridegroom, the Lord Jesus? Are we still in love with Jesus today as the day we first met Him, when His wonderful love and amazing grace melted our hearts and we gladly submitted His Lord to His Lordship in our lives, or has our love grown cold? Do we still long to be in His presence, to spend time with Him, do we still listen to his every word with eager anticipation and still desire to live in obedience to him? See, the Lord said to Israel that they committed spiritual adultery. They went after other gods. God said, you're married to me and you've gone and after other gods. You've committed spiritual adultery. We know in the natural that's terrible in a marriage, but how many times in the spirit can we do that? Let's never forget we are His bride. Do we eagerly submit to His will and His leadership? Or are we a rebellious spouse? Or have we lost our first love? Friends, each of us has that responsibility to ensure that the fire never goes out. That we're filled to overflowing with the Spirit of the living God. I love this true story. In Sweden, 
there was an old wooden church that caught fire. It lit up the whole sky. Most of the small community gathered to watch. This pastor spoke to one of the onlookers and mentioned that he'd not seen him at church before. To which the man replied, No, sir, but the church has never been on fire before, has it? I pray that this fellowship of believers, on the altar of every heart, that the fire of the Holy Spirit will burn and blaze so brightly that we may be those men and women on fire for God with a holy zeal and a fervent enthusiasm so that the unchurched, the unsaved will have to say, this is a church on fire. This is a church on fire. Friends, I don't want to burn out for God. I want to burn on. I want to burn on for God. So we see that in addition to regular maintenance, and because of that discipline, the priests ensured that the fire on the altar never went out. Thirdly, you see in verse 10, the removal of the ashes. He shall take up or remove the ashes. One thing I noticed since we came to Florida is that not many people have coal fires. I would think in Alaska in the cold of winter, you perhaps don't have coal fires, but you have fires, don't you? You have log fires, you keep warm, I imagine so. I love this 22 hours of daylight. I really enjoy that. But I don't think I'd enjoy it in December. Even though I might, if the Lord called me, I might enjoy it. Let me relate some childhood experiences to you. If I came home from school and I walked down the lane where we lived and I saw that the, the coal merchant had delivered a load of coal, a ton of coal, but I'd worked down the mine in a deep coal mine, so they got free coal. They got a load of coal every month or something like that. My job was to get the wheelbarrow and the shovel and to shovel this ton of coal down the side of the house and into the coal house. Not very pleasant memories, let me tell you. But secondly, another one was lighting the fire. I didn't have to do it very often, but occasionally I have to get up early in the morning to light the fire. And it's cold, you know about cold. You come downstairs, we lived in a double-storied house, the first thing I had to do, what was the first thing I had to do? I had to remove yesterday's ashes. To remove the ashes. And then I'd get some paper and some sticks and light it and try and get it to light. And I wasn't very good at that, but eventually I'd get a fire going. Okay? I had to remove the ashes. So in a natural context, if there's one thing that's not combustible, it's what's already been burned. We see that clearly illustrated on our TV when forest fires are being brought under control. What will the fire do? They'll go and burn a patch to stop the fire spreading. They'll burn something so that it can't carry on. Remember, one thing that's not combustible is that that's already burned. I need to explain here that in the priest's eyes, the ashes were precious because they spoke of a sacrifice made and more especially of a sacrifice accepted by God through a consuming fire. The ashes were the evidence that it is finished. That the offering was accepted in the sinner's stead. It was the last thing they saw of the sacrifice. We also know that the last word from Christ on the cross was, It is finished. The work of suffering and death was done. Atonement was accomplished. Hallelujah. Not, I am finished. Not, I am finished. But, it is finished. The work the Father had given him to do. So, I want us to see the ashes as yesterday's sacrifice. We cannot live on yesterday's blessings. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit every new day. We cannot live on past experiences, however grand, however precious. 
God has blessed me. Pastor spoke this morning about the blessing of God. I look back on my life, I see multitudes of blessing. But I can't live on that. I need again today, every day, to walk again with Christ. I can't live on yesterday's blessings. It's not what we experienced of God and His Holy Spirit five, ten, or even twenty years ago. The, reali- the reality is, has the fire gone out? Has the fire gone out? However much more, however much God has blessed us, and He has, and we're grateful, don't let the past, the ashes, rob you of today. Brothers and sisters, so many things can clutter up our lives. It's so easy to get squeezed into the world's mold. Everything that will be a hindrance to the fire of God blazing brightly in our lives is ashes and must be removed. It's interesting to note that in the Old Testament and under the Old Covenant, one of the ways people grieved and repented of their sins was they sat in sackcloth and ashes. They scattered ashes on their heads. Luke 10:13, the words of Jesus, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. How thankful we are that because of the finished work of salvation provided through Christ and His atoning sacrifice, that we no longer need to repent in sackcloth and ashes. Hallelujah. Isaiah 61.3 To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So here is a divine exchange. It's beauty for ashes. Not ashes on our heads as under the old covenant. But a crown of beauty because of Christ's sacrifice. Hallelujah. Fourthly, in verse 12, it says, The priest shall burn wood on it, add more firewood. Notice again that it's every morning. It's a daily responsibility. It's a daily commitment. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder I've laid the foundation and another builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ make sure your foundation is Christ make sure you're built on the rock now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones wood, hay, straw each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which is built on it endures he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire just look at verse 12 it says it's either gold, silver, precious stones, or it's wood, hay, and straw, or stubble, I think it says in some translations. 
I want to share with you tonight some excellent firewood. If we're honest, in all our lives, there are those areas that we could call hay, wood, hay and straw. We all know that we've got some firewood. We all know that there are areas in our lives that need to be purged by the fire of God. How do we respond to those trying circumstances? To misunderstanding, to criticism, to false accusations, to oh so many painful trials. What's our attitude like? I like what Chuck Swindle says. Life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I respond to it. I, I agree with that. I tend to agree with that. It's not what happens to us, it's how we respond to it. Do we truly believe that all things work together for God? Do we believe that God is sovereign in our lives? Develop an attitude of gratitude. That's what we need to do. Life's all about attitude. We should never ask, why is this happening to me? But rather, what is God doing through in my life through these circumstances? I pray that we're willing to allow the fire of God to burn it up now rather than later. Let's keep adding the firewood. Let's keep the fire burning brightly. Pastor Daniel mentioned tonight about Isaiah, or Isaiah, however you want to pronounce it. In the first few chapters of the book, he's, he's complaining about everybody. And then suddenly, he realizes it's himself. It's himself. He's moaning and complaining about everybody, and then he realizes it's him. We've read that when the fire of God touched his lips, his sin was taken away. Friends, let me say to you, the fire of God may touch our lips, our speech, our conversation. It may be our hearts, unforgiveness, lust, bitterness, anger. Maybe our hands or our attitude. So many ways the fire of God can touch our lives. The Apostle Paul says in his ongoing walk with the Lord that I die daily. What does he mean? What's he saying? Well, he's saying that every day the old Saul, the old Paul, had to die. How many of us know that that's true? Well, one or two of you do anyway. I remember going to a conference once and a guy said to me, there's a murder in our bedroom every morning. What does he mean? He realized he's dying to self. He's dying to self. There's a murder in the bedroom every morning. He realized he's dying to self. Friends, this old self, you know, it's brilliant firewood. Let's keep responding to the Spirit. Let us hear what the Spirit would say. Let's determine that from today there'll be no, there will not be any no-go areas in our lives. Lord, I give myself completely to you, but not this, or not this, or not this. No, there won't be any no-go areas in our lives. One of the best ways to keep the fire burning brightly is to keep adding more firewood. Every day, dying to self. In effect, more wood on the fire. And as a result, more of God's power in our lives. Let me encourage you to, keep, to determine like Paul to die daily. Hey, I've been saved 60 years. But there's still a battle. The flesh wars against the spirit. Let me tell you, Satan still knows where I live. People think, well, he's been saved 60 years. He's a holy man. No. I'm, I'm in his righteousness. I'm holy in his righteousness. But I tell you, there's still a battle because the flesh wars against the Spirit. That's why we've got to keep close to the Lord. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Daily adding more firewood. Daily dying to self. And finally, verse 12. We must never forget the offering. The burnt offering referred to here is a regular evening burnt offering. 
And we know that it had to be a male lamb without spot or blemish. Listen to these life-changing, heart-transforming, world-embracing words of John the Baptist. He says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friends, no longer is it necessary for us to come bearing a lamb to atone for our sin. Praise the Lord, God has provided Himself a lamb. Friends, our eyes must always be on the cross of Christ. On the Christ of the cross. Our message must always be on Christ and Him crucified. Our theme must always be, Behold the Lamb of God. In the greatest act of giving this world has ever seen, God gave His only forgotten Son. His sacrifice atones for our sin. Nowhere is unconditional love more fully experienced than in the cross of Christ. It stands at the heart of the Christian faith. We preach Christ and Him crucified. must always be our clarion call. In the Old Testament, God was a God who answered by fire. Remember the story of Manoah in Judges 13. Both King David and his son Solomon witnessed the fire of God upon the burnt offering. And of course, what about Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? But praise God, in our generation, by the merits of the cross and by His grace, He still desires to baptize His church with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The greatest need of the world is Jesus. But the greatest need of the church is the fire of God. The greatest need of the world is Jesus. But the greatest need of the church is the fire of God. The greatest promise to the world is John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But the greatest promise to the church is Acts 1.18, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If our lives are to be impacted by the fire of God and be those living sacrifices well-pleasing to the Lord, we need to not only be hearers but doers of the word. I like to quote Charles Stanley, uh, Charles Wesley. He says, get on fire for God and the whole world will come and watch you burn. I pray that the whole of this neighborhood would come and watch this church burn on fire for God. So let's sum up our study for tonight. We see the need for regular daily maintenance if we're going to see the fire of God burn in our lives. We see that the fire must be kept burning. Vital that we remove yesterday's ashes. And we must keep adding more firewood. And our focus must always be on the cross. Finally, a couple of Bible verses to encourage us in this study tonight. James 3.5 says, See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now I know that it's out of context to what we're talking about tonight because he's talking about tongue. You know the tongue is a powerful member of our bodies. We can heal, we can bring life, or we can bring death by just what we say. Oh, that will be men and women who are bringing healing and life through the use of our tongues. Let me say to you, how great a forest fire a little, uh, how great a forest a little fire kindles. You might only be a little spark, but the potential to start a great fire is within you. Also, this stirring incident from the life of the children of Israel, I love this, it's from Numbers 16. It says, And Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, Put an incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation. Make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. You remember the children sinned against the Lord. God sent a plague amongst them. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. 
and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. How powerful. What a powerful story. Aaron, with fire from off the altar, ran where the need was. He ran among the people. And the plague was stopped. Oh, that God would raise up a people so full of the Holy Spirit, men and women on fire for God, who with this glorious message of hope in Christ would stand between the living and the dead. Friend, friends, our lives can never be the same when we've been touched by the fire of God. Cleansing, purifying, purging, refining, making us vessels fit for His use. Don't let's put the fire out, but let's fan it into a mighty flame. Amen? Let's pray together. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the fire of God that burns in our lives. Lord, we've heard your word tonight. Your word is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. I pray, Lord, tonight that it will do its work. That there will be a work done in each one of our lives. Lord, the, the word of God taking root, settling in our hearts. May we take it home, meditate upon it. May we realize that the Christian life is all about daily living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not trusting in ourselves, but in God and His rich anointing upon our lives. Lord, bless this congregation. I pray that the Spirit of the living God, the power of God and the fire of God will flow through this fellowship, that they might be an impact in this community. Lord, I pray that this community of Wasilla will know that here is a church empowered by the Spirit. Here is a church of men and women who are truly apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers going out into the world, bringing the good news of Christ. Lord, thank you. Bless this community. Bless this fellowship. Richly pour out of your Spirit. Lord, we don't want to ever dry up. We don't want to ever get to the place where we lost what we had. We lost our first love. Oh God, help us daily, daily, every moment of every day to be in that place where we're open to the Spirit of God. We're open to the work of God. We're not struggling and resisting God. We're submitting and flowing with all that God would do in our lives. Bless this community. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor. Would you be seated for just a moment? Pastor Howard's going to come back and uh, minister. We're going to have a time here at the altar. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit and you desire that, we're going to pray for you. My hands on you. You know what I found is we leak. It's a great word. It's a great message. You gotta gotta keep the fire burning. Any of you got any things you need to burn? Throw on the fire? Huh? Maybe get some ashes to get out. You know, Pastor Howard, uh, well, ushers, please, would you help me? We're, we're going to receive an offering for uh, our guests tonight. That's our tradition, and Scripture says to give honor where honor is due. Pastor Howard, we, we are very, uh, very familiar with fire in my house. We heat our whole house with a wood-burning stove. 
in fact, come here another, well, another 30 to 60 days, I'll, I'll get a new cologne. I call it Husqvarna or still. It's my chainsaw. I'm working all the time. It took me, I think, a whole year, and I've been here for five, it took me a whole year to figure out that if I have too many ashes in the fire, it doesn't burn right. And it just doesn't burn hot. It just all chokes on itself. That was a great word. Some of you need to get some ashes out. All right. If you're making out a check, make it out to KC. We're going to send them on. We will send them one check. And um, very thankful for their ministry to us. And What a wonderful couple, so humble and gracious. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Davies, Davis family. We ask God that you would indeed continue to bless them, as we know that your word says that you will as they follow hard after you. And I thank you for the impact that they've had in thousands of lives and the seeds that they've sown over the years and for the seed that was sown into our own hearts and lives tonight. And we're asking God that you would bless them. Bless this gift, God, multiply it and it may be used for fulfilling your purposes in their lives. And I I pray oh God that you would prosper them. That they be in health and prosper even as their soul prospers. We thank you for Calvary Chapel, Merritt Island, Florida. We pray a blessing upon and Pastor Malcolm and, and all of the staff there and uh, the congregation there as they go through that transition, Lord, with the Space Center changing and all of that. We ask for your blessing upon that body and on that community, the loss of so many jobs. Pour out your spirit there at Calvary Chapel, Merritt Island. Pour out your spirit upon that congregation. God, we thank you for all that you've done tonight and all that we have yet to do. Even in these altars, we bless you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, would you go right ahead? with us. Come on, stand up on your feet. touch from the Lord. Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're saying, you know what? This message really ministered to me. Maybe you just need to take some some ashes and get them out. You come to the altar. I want to invite you to come. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe maybe you've never been filled with the Spirit. God giving you a prayer language of the gifts of the Spirit activating on the inside of you. Maybe you need healing. 
I know one thing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of His power may be seen. We're all crackpots. We all need to be filled. You need to be filled tonight. Come on, you you got to get it in your heart and understand that you can't make it. You can't, you can't do what God wants you to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. You need His help. So why don't you just invite you to come, Pastor Howard. Would you come? We're going to minister to you and lay hands on you as we continue just to worship. Lord, I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion. Oh. Holy Spirit, come. Pour over your people. I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion. Oh, for you. I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion. Oh, for you. Oh, for you. As they're praying, for these that have responded, you're in the sanctuary tonight if you're under the sound of my voice. And if you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity. You need to get right with Him. So you did that this morning. Yeah, and I'll do it every service we gather. You know why? Because I believe that there are times where we just need to, re, you need to recommit your life. And I believe that if, as I do that, you'll bring people that don't know Christ. And we'll give an opportunity people get saved. You know there's many places where they don't do that, but I just believe that if we do that, there's times where people give their heart to the Lord. Sometimes we think that people can just figure it out. Let me make it really plain, really simple. You need to repent of your sin. You need to believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave. The Apostle Paul said it this way. If you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. You can't make it to heaven because you're handsome or pretty or because you did something good or you surrendered your body to the flames. You can't make it into the kingdom any more than a monkey can be a part of the human race and be put on a suit. Did you catch that? Monkeys can't be a part of the human race. And you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God unless you repent of your sin and ask Him to come into your heart. That is it. That is, there is, the, that is the only way. So where are you to die? Oh, the blood of Jesus can cleanse your sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can make you whole again. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood, oh. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash you all away. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can make you whole today. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can save your soul. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. Oh, the blood. So where are you? Are you forgiven? Are you walking right with God? All across this place, for those online, if that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment, or maybe you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place, slip your hand up right now. That's you. You want to give your heart to God.
give your heart to Jesus, just raise your hand. You want to be included in this prayer. God bless you. Anybody else? Just right where you are, just pray right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Come into my life and make me new. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Well, just lift your hands to Jesus. Heavenly Father, fill your people now. Those up front, those in the, in the, in the pews, fill them right now in the name of Jesus. Break every bondage. Release your power. Release your fire, oh God, upon them. In the name of the Lord. Touch them now. Fill them now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to yearn. I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion. Oh, oh for you. I want to. I want to yearn for you. I want to burn. Pastor Jack, I have a word for you. If I submit, would like to submit it to you for your judgment. The Lord shows me a number of paths that lie before you. And there's one that's very clear and that, that's not changed. But I, and I believe that's, you know, the path of the Lord moving forward as God has directed to you and your calling, giftings. But I see God beginning to... Uh, lay before you a number of new paths that are going to accompany the main one that you're on. I see some decisions that lie before you in the next number of months. And He's going to give you wisdom. And there's some coming some divine connection. There's coming some divine connection, some new people that you're going to meet, also some from, that you've already known. And I see God just beginning to add some new streams to where you already are. He's going to lead you into a place of great, great prayer and intimacy. And, and, even, and even brokenness. And out of that is going to come birthing forth of some new streams. And I don't know if it's a new book that you're going to write or it's something like that. And I, I submit that to you. I see the Lord laying some things before you. And out of prayer and out of brokenness is going to come a new dimension to your ministry. A new dimension to your ministry. A new dimension to your lives. Thank you for blessing. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it. I want to yearn. I want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion. 
Sing it again. Want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion oh, over you. Lift your voice and sing. Want to yearn for you. I want to burn with passion. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Burn off the dross. Let your fire come.
touching lives tonight. Pour out your spirit, God, like you said you would. Holy, holy, holy. 
worship you, we worship Jesus. Jesus, no other name, no other Jesus. Sing the name, Jesus. You said, hold out your spirit on no flesh. You said, you said, you said, you pour out your spirit. You pour out your spirit. You said, you said, you said, you pour out your spirit. You pour out your spirit. You said, you said, you said, you pour out your spirit on no flesh. You said, you said, you said, you pour out your spirit. You pour out your spirit, Lord. You said, you said, you said. You, you pour out your spirit. You pour out your spirit. You said, you said, you said. You pour out your spirit. You pour out your spirit. You said, you said, you said. You pour out. said it'd be better for you to go that you might send another. Spirit, pour 
Set us on fire. Set us on fire, Lord. Set us on fire, God. Revival starts with you. You're looking for revival? Just put a circle around you. Just draw a circle around you. That's it. That's where revival starts. Look in the mirror. That's where it starts. Sometimes we're bellyaching about the Ten Commandments being taken out and this and that. And the Ten Commandments were taken out of our hearts long ago in America and in England. Bring revival in England. Bring an outpouring in England. Raise up. Raise up Wesley's again. Raise up, oh God, those who will preach your word. Not diluted. Not a social gospel. The power of God with the social gospel. A life lived, but it preached also. Raise up burning ones in America. Raise up Charles Finney's again. Raise up George Wesley's. God, raise up, raise up those revivalists. Raise them up. Come on, just pray for a moment. Service is almost over. Raise them up. Raise up John the Baptist. Raise up those. Raise up those with a Nazarite anointing. Raise up people from this generation. Breathe upon our universities. Breathe upon our high schools and our elementary schools. Breathe upon our government. Breathe upon this nation, I pray. We pray in agreement and we agree, God, and we're asking you tonight, pour out your spirit on America. Pour out your spirit in our nations like you've done at other times. You can do it now. What you've done in other places, you can do it here. What you've done with other people, God, you can use us. You can do it with us. So we invite you to come. Bring your fire. May we see a great awakening again. Sing that, Micah. Just tarry for a moment. It's okay. It's all right. Tarry. Wait for a moment. Yes. If you have to slip out, it's okay. Just wait, just tarry for a moment. your great faith. Renew them. Renew them in our day.
Raise up burning ones, shining ones for you. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. We're not going back. We're moving forward. We're not going back. We're moving forward. Not going back. We're moving forward. Moving forward. Moving forward. We're not going back. We're moving forward. Not going back. We're moving forward. Not going back. We're moving forward. Moving forward. Moving forward. Raise up burning ones and shining ones. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. Raise up burning ones and shining ones. Raise up people that burn with your spirit. Come on, sing it. Raise up. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. Make it a prayer. Burning ones and shining ones for you. Make it your prayer. Come on. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. Raise up burning ones and shining ones for you. Give God a hand clap tonight. I will say the last five minutes of the service, which you experience, is what happens here Monday, Tuesday through Friday. Prayer and worship mingled together like that. I'd invite you to come from 12 to 2. It's the, it's the greatest decision I ever made in my life. You know, aside from getting saved and marrying my wife. Is to commit myself to prayer like I never have before. Just begin to get drawn in. The clock spins. and You can just get encouraged and refreshed and I'm finding I'm finding everything in my life is changing as a result of putting him first like that so we are here now this week's a little bit different a little bit different because we've got a we've got our, our church dip net trip we'll be here Tuesday and Wednesday Thursday and Friday I'm, I'm looking for one of my leaders to come and open so at this point Tuesday and Wednesday uh, if you'll keep uh, if you'll keep touch with our web. Can we put it up on our web page? I think we can. We'll keep you an update of what's going to happen for Thursday and Friday. I already know that the Lord spoke to me that I need to be in prayer when I go fishing. I can't just throw it all. i got to go after Him. You know, but that's exciting. Did you get encouraged tonight? Me too. Keep the fire on the altar. Amen? Take someone by the hand, won't you, as we close? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the awesome privilege to be your children and to come boldly before your throne of grace. We receive the ministry of the Word tonight. We receive, Lord, the impartation that you've given us. 
I'm asking tonight, Lord, that you would bless your people. Lift up your countenance towards them. That you would be gracious to them. That you would keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. We'll hope to see you Tuesday night. I'll be preaching. Look forward to seeing you 7.30 Tuesday night. God bless you all, you online folks. We love you. Praise the Lord.